You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good Thanksgiving. While y'all were eating pumpkin pie, I was chasing my kids around with a can of Lysol. We had four out of five of my family members sick this week, including myself. Luckily, I got it early and could take care of everybody else. So this situation in the round is a little different, and I apologize if the odor is kind of coming to you really closely, but when everyone is throwing up around me, I just feel the safest thing to do is to shower and bleach. So might be a little strong. You know, when I was growing up, there were just two of us, and I was the older child, and I had a younger brother, Ashley, and Ashley was five years young, is five years younger than me, and Ashley is just a happy-go-lucky guy. Never made an enemy, um, just very easygoing, so fun to be around, loves the outdoors. We used to play in nature a ton out back. We'd play wilderness in our fort, and uh, one year, I, w- I was very protective of Ashley. I was kind of a mother to him. I was a little mother hen. My mom had to rein me in sometimes. I, was, I like to boss him around. But uh, one year he was on the soccer team, and the soccer team ranged in age of a couple years. So we had, you know, boys that were seven, like my brother, and also boys that were nine. And so I would have been about 12 um, this particular year. And one Saturday morning we head out to the soccer game, and it's the four of us, my parents and my brother and me, and we're approaching the field. And Ashley runs ahead uh, up to a mound. He spies a mound in the distance, runs up on the mound, and starts playing. And just like any little boy would do. And we're standing there still approaching the field. And all of a sudden, out of, a blue, out of the blue, one of the boys on his same team, who was a couple years older than him, about twice his size, takes off running, charges up on top of the mound, and for no reason at all starts punching Ashley. And he lays him down on the ground, and he starts strangling him. And my parents and I are standing there, and we spy this scene playing out in front of us, and my parents were kind of in shock. Well, I had this shot of adrenaline run through my body. You do not mess with my brother. I ran off fast motion in a sprint. I charged up the hill and I grabbed that. I reached down and I grabbed that boy up by his 1985 soccer uniform and I got in his face and I said, Don't you ever touch my brother again. (laughs) Bam, that's how it's done. (laughs) And this is what happened that boy, he never touched my brother again. I know what you're thinking. You wouldn't want to meet me in a dark alley. Don't let my size fool you. What I lack in size, I make for in passion and conviction. So in that moment, my blood was pumping. I was in my element. And I like to believe that I brought something very important into that situation. I brought danger. (laughs) That's right, Tom. Danger. I know that's what you think of when you look at me. I realize that... You could, it could be considered that it wasn't a very high-risk situation, 12-year-old against a 9-year-old boy. But there was a risk to me. I was putting myself in the fray. I could have gotten hurt. But it was my love for my brother and my desire to protect him that I didn't have to think about it. It was just second nature. 
it wasn't the risk that kept me away from going up onto that mound and getting into the, to the scuffle. In fact, I like to think that it was the risk that got me excited about it and that compelled me. It was my, my love for my brother that compelled me up there, but it was the risk that got my blood pumping and got me excited. Think about your favorite movies or your favorite books. Just think of it in your mind. You know, whether you're an action or adventure kind of person, a romance person, a drama, most of the books and movies that we end up loving have one thing in common, and it's risk. Even if it's a Jennifer Aniston chick flick, usually it, even loving someone requires personal risk to ourself. Jeff Goins puts us this way. He's a writer that I follow, and he says this, All of our favorite films and books are telling us the same thing. Safety is not what you're made for. Don't be fooled by the false promise that this world offers you of safety and comfort. I believe that you were made and I was made for something much more compelling and surprising. You were made for danger. You're made for danger, baby. It's exciting. Up on that soccer mound, it was fun. And this is fun. Taking risks is fu- are fun. There's this story told by an author and preacher of Mosaic Church out of Los Angeles, supposedly one of the most innovative and influential churches in uh, the country. And this is a story that the, um, the head pastor tells about his son. One summer, Aaron went to a youth camp. He was just a little guy, and I was kind of glad because it was a church camp. I figured he wasn't going to hear all those ghost stories because ghost stories can really cause a kid to have nightmares. But unfortunately, since it was a Christian camp and they didn't tell ghost stories because we don't believe in ghosts, they told Satan and demon stories instead. And so when Aaron got home, he was terrified. Dad, don't turn off the light, he said before going to bed. No, Daddy, could you stay here with me? Daddy, I'm afraid. They told all these stories about demons, and I wanted to say they're not real. He goes, Daddy, Daddy, would you pray for me that I would be safe? I could feel it. I could feel warm blanket Christianity beginning to wrap around him, a life of safety, safety, safety. I said, Aaron, I will not pray for you to be safe. I will pray that God will make you dangerous, so dangerous that demons will flee when you enter the room. And he goes, all right, but pray I would be really, really dangerous, Daddy. (laughs) In Ephesians, we're told this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's not against the poor boy on the soccer mound. You know, what I, what I probably got wrong on that mound is I scared the mess out of that kid. I hope. I don't feel that guilty. <laughs> but what I got right was... I brought something important into that situation. I posed a threat to the evil that was happening. 
you know, this idea of being dangerous, sometimes it can feel scary and confusing and messy. And even that scripture that talks about this present darkness, you know, our, our battle isn't against people, it's against the unseen realm. And, you know, it causes us to think, what in the world? And, and here's, here's what I believe the enemy wants us to do. He wants to confuse us so much that we just ignore it, okay? That we say, ah, oh, that's confusing. I, you know, I'm just fine. No demons are in my bedroom. So I'll just set that aside, and stick with the rest of the Bible. Don't do that. That's exactly what he wants. What I'm not going to do today is answer your questions about demons. I don't know if I know enough about them. What I am going to do, I'd like to get you excited about taking on more risk and being dangerous for the kingdom. It's easier than you think. What does it mean to be dangerous? This is kind of what I mean when I'm going to talk about this today. Trusting God enough to take risks with him so that you become a powerful agent for his kingdom, posing a threat to the kingdom of evil. I think this is a natural effect when we allow God to fill us to overflowing. It's, a, it just, it's just a simple cause and effect relationship. Walk with Jesus and you will become more dangerous. Whether you set out to be dangerous or not, whether you're like my neighbor who we were talking in our pajamas in the yard today, and I said, yeah, I'm talking at church. Come on. What are you talking about? Made for danger, baby. And he's like, I'm not made for danger. So if you feel that way, that's okay. You don't have to set out to be dangerous. But let me tell you, walking with Jesus, you will and you do become dangerous. All it takes is just a simple willingness, just a simple yes, even if it's a I'm scared but I'm with you, Lord. Let's look at the life of Jesus. He left a legacy of taking risks and being dangerous. He was born in a stable, okay? I bet there's not a mama here of a baby that doesn't have hand sanitizer in her purse. Think about the place that, the very place that Jesus came into the world. It was like a statement saying, I'm putting my precious baby son in a place where he could pick up who knows what from those animals, and they were relieving themselves all around the hay, and you know, it wasn't the safest place for him to be born. Our hospitals now have, have hope, you know, soap and water and hand sanitizer at every place. And so it was like he was starting out in an in in um, unconventional way. He was the son of a carpenter. That doesn't seem like the safest of trades to me. I'm not very good at history. I don't know what kind of tools they had in those times, but I'm guessing they were dangerous things that hammered things, things that cut things. He was a renegade. He spoke out against the hypocrites of his day. He challenged the powers that, that were, the religious leaders. The biggest one is he claimed to be the son of God, a heresy that was punishable by death had it not been true. You know, some of you may be thinking, but I'm not Jesus. I don't have what it takes. I think you do. I think you just show up with what you have. You just show up with what you have. The Bible is full of stories of unlikely people who did amazing things for God's kingdom, and it's almost like he used, you know, the dumbest sticks of the bunch to show his glory that it wasn't about what, who they were and what they can do, but it was about him. All throughout the Old Testament, he was constantly, you know, using nature and earthquakes and things that 
um, were unlikely to, to win battles for the Israelites. I want to look at uh, David and Goliath. We looked at this passage last week. I had planned to talk about David and Goliath last week when Antley Antley started talking about it. It made me a little nervous, but luckily I'm talking about a different uh, area. But basically, you know, David was a shepherd boy. He was the youngest of, I don't know, six or so um, in Jesse's family, and he just spent a lot of time outside. And he was the run of the litter, basically. And when Samuel came to anoint the next king after King Saul, you know, God told Samuel, go to Jesse's family. I'm going to show you who the king is. And he went and immediately thought it was going to be Eliab, the oldest and the best looking of the bunch. Surely this is going to be, you know, who God wants to be king. And so Antley kind of told the story last week of how he went through all the sons and nope, 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 that's not him. Have you got any more sons, Jesse? And he says, yeah, I've got one out in the field. And it was David. And he sent for David and it was, it was him that was chosen to be king. And so uh, he talked about this big battle that was happening between the Philistines and the Israelites. And if you don't know the story, basically Goliath was a giant on the other side, the bad side, who had challenged the, the army of Israel. And no one would face Goliath. Everyone was scared of Goliath. He was huge and he was intimidating. And David happened to be out on the front lines delivering food to his brothers. He wasn't even supposed to be there. And he comes along and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is challenging the armies of the living God? And he says, yeah, I'll do it. And so this scripture, I kind of jump around in 1 Samuel 17, so I'm going to just read it through the, from the screen. You know, Saul's trying to talk David out of this. Um, he says, you're too little. You can't go up against this guy. But David says, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. I just wanted to draw your attention to that because he's using his bare hands in that scenario. You can go on. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. Okay, now here's what's happening, okay? David has been trained in the field. When the lion and the bear came against the sheep, he used his bare hands or probably his um, slingshot and his stone. And so he has been trained to trust in the Lord time and time as he stepped out in risk. You can just imagine this in your life. Think back on times when you were scared to death and you, you were in a risky situation and God showed up in a way that you didn't expect. It builds your trust in him so that your heart begins trusting him more quickly and more easily. And so Saul tries to put his armor on David, and David tries in vain to go, but said to Saul, I can't go with these. I haven't tested them. So David put them off, then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. So he wins. That's, that's the end of that story. He, he takes his sling, and he gets them, and he dies. And a what I think is a very unlikely scenario. Um, you know, that is just a great, great example of just showing up and bringing what you have. Just being, he didn't, he wasn't going off to, 
other countries to tell people about the Lord, which is a wonderful thing, by the way. I love when people are called to, to mission work. But he was just taking his brother's food. He was just doing what he did. He was doing what his dad told him to do. He was doing what he was supposed to do. He showed up. He took the stones because that's what he was used to working with. So he just brought what he had. You don't have to work something up or be different or better than you already are. That is, you know, something that has taken me 40 years to get. And I'm still getting that. And it's just, it's not about working something up, being better than you are, being bigger or stronger than you are. It's just about using the gifts and talents that God has given you and just showing up in the places you show up, but with a strategy in mind, a strategy that says, I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm on his side. He's with me. I can trust him. I'm going to take his presence into this situation, and I'm going to see what happens here. You know, a couple years ago, I was, uh, I've had my kids at this preschool for 10 years, and my big joke with one of my best friends is that I have flown under the radar at this preschool for 10 years. I have not volunteered for one single thing. I'm sorry to all you mothers that do volunteer a lot. I realize that I'm indebted to you, but that was our big joke. She, she, this best friend of mine, you know, she, I don't know, was the head committee of something. I said, fine, I'll make a meal for you for the teacher appreciation week. That's the one thing I did in 10 years. So anyway, I noticed this girl was trying to start up a Bible study there. And I I said, that is so exciting. I love that you're doing this. Nothing had ever been done like that before for the moms of the preschoolers. And anyway, I talked to her about it and it wasn't getting traction. And the next time I saw her pass in front of me, it was like the Lord just clear as day kind of whispered to my heart, you need to get with her about that Bible study. And so I called her. I stepped out and risk. I took a risk and said she was going to put a DVD in, and and no one was, you know, coming and showing up for that. I said, would you be open to a live teacher? And, I mean, I remember as I said that on the phone to her, it was like, am I really committing myself? You know, it's scary. It was a scary feeling putting myself out there like that. And she said, yes. And, and so we started up a couple of years ago. And week after week, these women keep showing up. And it's, it's just a wonderful testimony to the Lord of there was nothing, and now there's something. And this isn't anything that was ever on my mind, obviously. I had no intention of volunteering at the preschool. Um, this was something that was on his mind. He was after the hearts of these women because they are an army that he is rising up. That gets me really excited. They are an army that he is rising up for him. And so it was, you know, I feel like every week when I come, I feel inadequate to lead these women and teach these women. And I would say that, along with several other things that the Lord has called me to do, um, whether it's just sharing my pers- my story in you know personal groups, groups of friends, or um, sharing very vulnerable things in my writing, um, that's a whole other story. But the Lord kind of called me a couple years ago to start a blog, and I'd never even read a blog, so that was that's been an interesting adventure. But um, 
I just feel like, you know, 10 years ago, I might have quoted scripture about being strong and courageous, and I would put up Ephesians 6 and talk about the armor of God and let's put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of peace and the helmet of salvation, and all of those things are absolutely true, and I sometimes do that mentally as an exercise, and and standing in the Lord and being firm in the Lord are, are key elements. But I'm here to tell you, based on my own experience, I believe the number one thing that has helped me step out in risk is being needy, is being very, very needy before the Lord and taking my need to him constantly and saying, I don't have what it takes to do the things that you've called me to do. And I feel scared and I feel inadequate. And, and sometimes I want to just go under my covers and hide. You know, that'd be easier. Sit down and watch my Grey's Anatomy and just pretend that there's not a battle going on all around us. I believe the quickest route to a dangerous life is admitting your need for him, for God, and going to him often. John 15 puts it like this. This is an analogy that Jesus uses about our relationship with him being like a branch and a vine. He says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, excuse me, unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, we can do things apart from him. That's not what the text is saying. It's saying, apart from me, you can't do anything of eternal significance. You can't do anything that will stand the test of time. It's, it's remaining in him and holding fast to him. And it's from that place of strength that we are connected to him. It's from that place that we're able to go out and risk. You know, I would love to hear some of your stories. Um, I love hearing stories and telling stories. And uh, all I've got is mine this morning. But basically, I would say that, you know, I experience a lot of resistance when I step out and risk. I'm not going to lie to you. I think it does get easier with time, but um, I experience physical sickness quite frequently when I'm asked to to step out and risk. Um, You can ask the people every week before my Bible study, I send a text to some of my friends and say, would you pray for this? Would you pray for that? Would you pray for the group? Almost every text I end with, and please pray I don't have diarrhea. (laughs) It is the truth. Um, I don't know what your resistance looks like, you know. I don't know if, and I want you to think about what is, what is your danger look like? Anley, that was for you. I know you're at home watching. <laughs> um, you know, we've had a lot of people lately, and really since the church has started, we've got a lot of risky, risk takers and dangerous people in this body. And that's why I love River City Church. I love the testimonies. We come back week after week and hear people taking risks. And so what kind of resistance do you have when you step out and pray for healing? And we had someone talk about he just tried to show the baptisms on his laptop to some coworkers last week, and his you know, computer froze up. I don't know what your resistance looks like, but we all have it. It's going to be there. It's not going to stop. 
And the thing that has helped me most is just to resolve to continue. It's, it's being needy before the Lord, asking the Lord to fill me up, and just resolving that I am going to step out for the Lord as long as it's feasible and, and, and works out, um, the circumstances work out. Speaking of that, I was asked to speak to the support group for women dealing with infertility recently. And this was an interesting request. I haven't thought about infertility in 12 years, but it is a part of my story. And um, immediately I felt excited, but then I also felt very inadequate. And I thought, you know, who am I to go into this group of women that are, that are either can't get pregnant, um, you know, are struggling trying to get pregnant, have, have gotten pregnant through assistance or decided to adopt. And here I have three born, you know, natural born children of my own. And I just began to feel, I was excited about the opportunity, but it's kind of like, what do I have to offer them? And I knew what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about kind of dreaming with God and keeping dream, to, to keep dreaming with God. But as I was preparing, the whole time I kept hearing the name Hezekiah. And I don't know much about Hezekiah, so I was, I, I've heard of him. I knew he was in the Bible. I've heard a sermon on him. But I, was, I you know, decided to escape and read the whole story of Hezekiah. And basically, he was a good king in the Old Testament. And the, the Bible describes him as holding fast to the Lord. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He was faithful. And in his story, uh, he gets sick. And the prophet Isaiah comes to him and says, get your house in order. You're going to die. You're not going to recover. And Hezekiah weeps bitterly and cries out to the Lord, please, please save me, Lord. And before Isaiah had even left the temple grounds, it says the word of the Lord came to him, and he, he said, turn around and go tell Hezekiah, I've heard your prayers. I've, I've seen your tears. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to add 15 years to your life. And there's another place in the story where Hezekiah prays for all of the people of Israel, and it says they're healed. And so I'm like, oh, boy, what am I going to do with this? This is a conservative group, uh, you know, I don't know if they believe in healing. I don't know if they believe the gifts are alive. What am I going to do? Um, so I, I went holding my plan very loosely. I went ahead and delivered the talk I was going to give. But I shared the story of Hezekiah. And I stepped out, you know, and it felt scary. I said, I think the Lord wants to heal you. And I would like to pray for people. I, I called my mom that morning as a last-minute add-on and said, would you come with me and pray for people? And we were honored to be able to pray for several women that night. And I don't know what happened with those women. I may never know. I hope they all have babies. Um, but the point is, I went in holding my plan very, very loosely. And I just decided, you know, I'm going to let you do with this what you want to do, Lord. And so um, that's my, my third tip um, just for being dangerous is hold your plan loosely. So bring what you have, stay needy, and hold your plan loosely. The outcome's not up to us. Our job is just to be obedient to what God calls us to do. What opportunities are right in front of you? What risks might God be encouraging you to take this morning and continuing? To the people who say, I don't know if this is for me, it sounds scary, it sounds dangerous, it sounds hard, Sounds too dangerous. God gave me this little picture, um, and it, it came to me in a moment that I had with our dog, Lexi. I'm going to put her picture up. 
So I was thinking about this talk a couple weeks ago, and I was thinking, Lord, how am I going to speak to the people that are scared? Because I know you're there because I'm there. And I came in from a walk, and I was thinking about this, and I buried my head in her in the scruff of her neck, and I just felt like all of my fears just kind of went away. I felt like my racing heart and my anxiety just lifted in that moment. And he said, this is what you're going to tell those people. You're going to tell them about her. That how you feel when you come to her completely loved, completely accepted. Um, She's always eager to be with me. Um, Always ready and waiting. It's just my choice. That she, you know, there was the, my heart kind of came to rest. My heartbeat slowed down. And I just felt safe. And he said, that's what you're going to tell those people, just that that's who I am, that I ease your fears. When I call people, my people, to, to risk, it comes out of a place of great love and great trust um, where your heart has learned that you're safe and protected in me. I believe God calls us to a life of rest to teach us that nothing or no one will be our safety except him. Living dangerously is not done by brute force, though, like I did with that boy on the mound, okay? It's done through surrender. That's where it's done. It's done through surrender. Lexi passed away a couple of weeks ago, and for the first couple of days, I kept walking from room to room, expecting her to be in every room where I was. You know, you expect her in the bed and the TV room, and the bed in our room, and the bed in the office, and she wasn't there, and I felt lonely and disappointed. Life with God is just like that, except exactly the opposite. Everywhere we go, he is there. There's not a place we can go without him, but do we expect him to be there? Are we looking for him? Let's look for him now. We're going to invite the presence of the Lord just as David comes and prays. If y'all wouldn't mind standing, we're just going to look for him now.